In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Family dynamics are sometimes a wonder to behold. I think all of us have, at one time or another, either wished that we were part of someone else's family because it seemed that the household was filled with love and joy, or we say a word of thanks that we're not part of someone else's family because they always seem to be hanging onto the bonds that bring them together by a very short and thin thread. Families are not always perfect, and families are not always as bad as they seem. Today, our well-known parable, the prodigal son, is a telling of a family story. There is a father who loves his two sons deeply, and there are two sons who are in some ways rather different from each other, and in quite a few ways still the same. But this is no modern family. This is a family from the first century, and for the impact of what Jesus is saying to ring true, we must read this story with an ancient culture in view. The younger son has approached the father, the patriarch and leader of the family, and has asked that he be given his inheritance. This is both shocking and shameful. What the son has basically said to his father is, I wish you were dead. We don't know why, but the younger son has no regard at all for his father. He sees it as more profitable for him to gather up his inheritance and move away to a distant land rather than to associate or hang around dear old dad. Now, in our modern era, this is rather common. High school students move away to university. Parents and children are scattered across the state or the country, even around the globe for some families. But in these ancient times, this was a bad mark for the family to have a son who wants to move away before the patriarch had died. He is saying to his father, you don't matter anymore. You can find someone else to take care of you in your old age. And just to make sure that I get everything that is due me, Give me the portion of the family estate that I should get when you die, and give it to me now. So, the father who loves his son does this. And the son heaps up more shame and insults by them selling the portion of the property, in essence, dividing the family farm while mom and dad are still living on it. And we can guess that he sold it to an outsider, probably not even to his older brother, who could have made some use of it. Once the deal closes and he has his affairs in order, the son leaves. And we can imagine that he intends to never return home. We have all been the younger son. When have you told someone that you care nothing for them 
that you wish they weren't around. Perhaps even that you can't wait for them to be gone. When have we told someone who loves us deeply that life would be better without them in it? Now, if we read this far into the story, it is obviously and blatantly clear that the younger son is the villain. After all, how many people basically tell their parents that they want them dead? And since it looks like they're going to hang on for a while, they want to get on with their own life. But let's look at the older son, the son who stayed behind. Well, for starters, he isn't very happy either. He is completely absorbed with what he thinks he is entitled to inherit. His language is of being a slave, of regret at never having had a party, and of pitting his father against his younger brother in such a way that it's a classic symptom of someone who feels wounded and acts out, and yet demands that everyone else succeeds where they have failed. The older brother is so resentful that he even refuses to see his brother, refuses even to give his father some inkling of joy over the return of the long lost and perhaps thought of as dead son. So, where are we supposed to find ourselves in these two brothers? That's usually where we start with this parable. And that is where we usually identify ourselves as the younger brother who has gone off and squandered our inheritance, spent all of our money, perhaps even lived into the reputation that our older brother has painted of us, even with his exaggeration and speculation. For years, we have always been the younger brother, and that's who we're supposed to be. Right? If we look at the older son, we find something a little telling, perhaps even a little troubling. What if the older son is Israel, or more specifically, the Pharisaic tradition of Judaism that is legalistic and bound to the Torah? What if Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees about their obsession with the law and the little room that they have for grace and mercy, little room for those who step an inch out of the line and then they demand sacrifices to appease God? But if we then, on the other hand, look towards the younger son, we see someone who has strayed far away, Perhaps even an idol worshiper, which is another rather poignant and potent insult. Someone who loves the allures of the world and forsakes what is rightfully his, his inheritance, in search of pleasure and riches. So, who are we? Who are you? Who am I?
Well, honestly, depending on the day of the week, we can be and are both. We can be the people who stray far from the faith, the people who wish that God was dead so that we could be left to our own devices because, after all, we know what is best for us. We all have the potential to squander our spiritual inheritance. And we can all be the legalistic person who looks down their noses at others who are less than we are or think that because we cross ourselves at the right moments in the liturgy, we are a little more pious, but we remain unchanged by the service. Well, we read our Bibles every day and yet don't learn anything from it. And over all of this stands between these two polar opposite people, the Father, the one person who can unite the family back together. If we observe him carefully, we notice that we don't, he doesn't choose a sign. The Father rejoices at the Son's return, the very Son who wished him dead, even to the point of using language of resurrection and how that Son had been dead. And he pleads with the older son to share in his joy. But the father also moves outside to be with the older son who is refusing to come to the party. And he assures him that everything that he has been promised is already his, regardless of the return of the younger and supposedly dead son. What all of us forget from time to time is that the love and the mercy of God is beyond our comprehending. It is beyond our knowledge. It is beyond our understanding because we are not God. And we are not able to surmise everything that God knows about each one of us. And that is part of what makes the love of God and the mercy of God incredible. Just as the Father showed love and mercy to two sons who are opposed to each other, so God shows the love, the same love and mercy to each of us. It is part of His nature. And if we are children of God, it is part of what we must imitate as well. When we, you and I, find ourselves in one of these situations, either as the older or the younger son, there is something we must look for. And it's the love and mercy of God. If we are to rule abiding, and the man that everyone follows our ways. There is grace to cover those sins that we think are unthinkable. If we are lost on our way, squandering everything we have been given and leave a wake of destruction where we have been, 
There is grace to cover those sins too. God's mercy and love reaches out to all of us. The question is if we will accept it. If we will say yes. If we will acknowledge the saving love and mercy of our great and generous God. The younger son, the one who had wished his father dead, the one who left to follow his own way, did indeed come home, accept the embrace of his father, and became restored. But notice that St. Luke leaves the story open-ended. We don't know what the older son said. We don't know what he did. We don't know if he ever came in and joined in the celebration. Did he accept the fallen reprobate who shamed his family? We just don't know. So perhaps we, you and me, need to fill that portion of the story in. If we are the older son, what do we do? If we're the younger son, how do we reconcile ourselves to our family? We have gone from a son wishing his father dead to a son presumed dead. Now we have a father who is living and very much alive and a son who is being restored and is now living again. May our own journey through the passion and death bring us to the same life and celebration. And may we also rejoice when we see the vilest offender come and also accept the generous offer of love, mercy, salvation, and forgiveness from our blessed Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.